Well, hello and welcome to the iFormerX podcast, where we explore the evidence that informs ambulatory care pharmacy practice. My name is Stuart Haynes, the editor-in-chief of iFormerX and your host. Over the past five years, we've seen some exciting new agents developed for the treatment of dyslipidemia to prevent atherosclerotic cardiovascular events. And a few of these agents are already on the market, like the subtilicin kixin type 9 or the PCSK9 inhibitors, aliurocumab and evulocumab, and the recently approved benpidoic acid, which is an adenosine triphosphate citrate lyase, or ACL inhibitor. Another group of drugs under development is the small interfering RNA drugs that reduce synthesis of the PCSK9 in the liver. Uh, And the first of these agents to be reported in a series of phase three clinical trials is Inclisiran. Two of these studies, known as the Orion 10 and Orion 11, were published in March 2020 in the New England Journal of Medicine. And joining me today to discuss Inclisiran and the Orion studies are Dr. Amanda Shartle and Dr. Joshua Holmes from Christiana Care in Newark, Delaware. Uh, Amanda is a population health pharmacist in Christiana Care's CareVivo division, and Joshua is a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy practice resident. Uh, Dr. Shardle has been a frequent contributor to iFormerX, so it's, it's great to have her back. And Joshua, it's great to have you here as a first-time contributor. Welcome. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Hi, Dr. Haynes. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. So before we talk about the Orion studies, I'd like to start with a case study. I want you to imagine you work for an integrated health system as part of their population health team, and data from your health plan claims indicate that beneficiaries in one of your service areas, Washington County, has a much higher than average incidence of hospitalizations and death due to ischemic cardiovascular and cerebrovascular events. Now, Washington County is suburban, and it's served by two primary care groups that are affiliated with your health plan and a 300-bed community hospital. The population in Washington County is uh, slightly older than average, and most, uh, indeed more than 70% of your health plan members in Washington County are Caucasians of Northern European ancestry. Now, looking at your quality metrics for the two primary care practices in Washington County, you note that while blood pressure and glycemic control rates are on par with many other primary care practices in your network, the dyslipidemia metrics are much worse than the others. Indeed, you have given your two Washington County primary care offices an F rating this past year for achievement of LDL goals and for the use of high-potency statins. Clearly, the situation isn't good for patient care, and it appears to be a contributing factor to the higher-than-average incidence of ischemic events observed in this patient population. Your team has been asked to analyze the situation and implement some solutions. So, Amanda, what are some of the things that are going through your mind in a case like this? What additional information would you want to collect in order to assess the root causes? And what kinds of interventions would you be considering to address this population health problem? 
Well, I think this case is a great example of where population health initiatives can identify trends based on high-level data, and then targeted interventions can be made to improve quality of care for a broad population like this. My main concern in thinking about this case is what are the barriers to achieving these dyslipidemia goals? So is the barrier because of patient-specific factors, such as high rates of statin intolerance, a difference in rates of risk-enhancing factors? Or is there lower health literacy compared to other communities in this network? Alternatively, you know, is it more related to the primary care providers? For instance, are the providers less educated about or less focused on meeting these metrics in their daily practice? Depending on the reason for the lower adherence to these metrics, I think there's a couple of different types of interventions we could try to make. The existing population health pharmacist could proactively identify patients as appropriate candidates for statin use through health plan data that's available to them. And then they could reach out to patients virtually, either through telephonic means or video appointments that have recently become much more popular. And alternatively, pharmacists could even be embedded in these practices and identify patients in the same way, or the PCPs could refer the patients directly to these pharmacists. If the low adherence to the metrics, though, is more related to the providers, the interventions could include providing targeted education about current guidelines and how the metric is being measured uh, so that they have kind of a better awareness and understanding. A provider dashboard could also be created to give the PCPs real-time data about how they're performing in relation to their peers and the other practices that are performing better. Having a benchmark like this could help motivate them to prioritize it more into their daily practice. And then finally, an intervention that could target both patients and providers would be providing financial incentives for meeting these goals. So Joshua, let's talk about the results of the Orion studies that you reviewed for iFormerX. The paper was published online in March 2020 in the New England Journal of Medicine and is entitled Two Phase Three Trials of Enclisiran in Patients with Elevated LDL Cholesterol. Now, we provide a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but can you give us a brief summary of the study design and its major findings? The reviewed article presents the Orion 10 and Orion 11 trials, which were two phase three double-blind, randomized, and placebo-controlled trials evaluating the effect of a new type of PCSK9 inhibitor called enclisiran on LDL lowering. The major distinguisher between the two trials was the population enrolled. Orion 10 was conducted in the United States with the inclusion criteria of clinical ASCVD and LDL levels of at least 70 milligrams per deciliter. Orion 11, however, was held in Europe and South Africa and expanded upon the inclusion criteria of Orion 10 by also enrolling patients with an ASCVD risk equivalent and an LDL of at least 100 milligrams per deciliter, in addition to those with clinical ASCVD. Enrolled participants were randomized to receive either enclisiran subcutaneous injection or placebo on days 1, 90, 270, and 450. The co-primary endpoints for both trials were placebo-corrected and time-adjusted percentage change in LDL. Overall, the population was largely white, male, and included based on a history of clinical ASCVD. A significant reduction in LDL levels was seen in both trials, with average placebo and time-adjusted reductions around 50%. They also evaluated an exploratory composite cardiovascular outcome, but found no significant difference between enclisiran and placebo, 
with the exception of significant reduction in MIs in the Orion 11 trial. Joshua, let's talk about some of the strengths and weaknesses of this study. In addition to reporting a reduction in LDL cholesterol in adverse events, the investigator also report, as you mentioned, an exploratory analysis in the paper. As cardiovascular studies go, the Orion 10 and 11 studies are relatively modest in size in terms of the number of patients that were enrolled and the study duration, which was relatively short with a median follow-up of only about 18 months. So should we get excited about the results of this study? What additional information do we need to make firm conclusion about Inclisiran's place in therapy? Reviewing the strengths and weaknesses of the trial are, of course, critical to applying the results. In the case of the Orion trials, I think a strength was the consideration to break the study population into two groups, those with clinical ASCVD and those with ASCVD risk equivalents to clarify if either group has potential for greater benefit with Inclisiran. However, this also leads to a couple limitations of the trial. The Orion trials were held in different geographical regions, which introduced potential confounders. Most notably, the external validity was impacted by the inclusion of over 80% white participants in Orion 10 and 98% in Orion 11. Furthermore, there was a very low representation in the study of patients who fall into the primary prevention bucket, and none of these patients were from the U.S. population. Another interesting choice in the methodology was the use of the Framingham risk score to determine eligibility of patients based on ASCVD risk. While still of clinical value, this score has largely been replaced in favor of the SCORE system in Europe. While I do think it's always exciting to see new medications being studied and find what unique benefits they can offer, I feel that Inclisiran currently has stiff competition from our pre-existing PCSK9 inhibitors that stifles a bit of my excitement for it. The degree of LDL reduction observed with this agent was largely comparable to what we've seen with our other PCSK9 inhibitors in trials such as Fourier. Furthermore, Evolocumab has already been shown to provide significant reductions in CV events when used in conjunction with atorvastatin. On the other hand, the exploratory cardiovascular outcome in the Orion trials didn't demonstrate a significant reduction with Inclisiran, but as you mentioned, the modest number of patients studied and the short duration of follow-up likely limited the ability to detect any difference here and will require more investigation going forward. Besides the lack of cardiovascular outcome data, the main differentiator of Inclisiran compared to the other PCSK9 inhibitors really comes down to the longer time frame between dose administrations. With this in mind, I think if the direct cardiovascular benefits of Inclisiran were elucidated more thoroughly through future research, the agent certainly has potential to claim its role in therapy as an option for patients who struggle with adherence to the more frequent dosing of the PCSK9 inhibitors. So Amanda, let's return to our case. Recall that there is an unusually high rate of ischemic cardiovascular events in, in Washington County, and lipid control rates there are well below average. And now let's assume you discover that the prevalence of familial hypercholesterolemia in the region is much higher than usual, and that the prevalence of cardiovascular risk factors, including hypertension, diabetes, obesity, and family history of cardiovascular disease is significantly higher among Washington County beneficiaries when you compare those to other regions that are in your health plan service area. Does Inclisiran look like a promising new therapeutic option that you'd likely advocate to add to your formulary? 
And if so, based on what you know so far, what criteria for use would be appropriate? And what about adulocumab and alurocumab? Would you strictly limit their use if inclisiran was added to your formulary? Certainly an interesting question. And at this point in time, I think it's hard to recommend any of the PCSK9 inhibitors specifically for primary prevention because of the minimal data in this population that we've kind of been talking about. As Joshua mentioned, inclisiran was shown to significantly lower LDL. However, inclisiran has yet to be shown that it can significantly lower the risk of cardiovascular outcomes for either primary or secondary prevention. So at this point, my preference for a PCSK9 inhibitor to have on formulary would probably be evolocumab because it's been shown to significantly lower LDL and reduce cardiovascular outcomes in patients who have existing ASCVD. Alarocumab would be a less preferred option because its data on cardiovascular risk reduction is really limited to patients who've experienced ACS in the past year, which makes it less generalizable. Joshua, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today and discussing the use of the small interfering RNA agent in glycerin to reduce LDL cholesterol. And we hope that it would result in reducing the number of ischemic cardiovascular events. It's clear from your comments that you believe it's kind of premature to decide when inclisiran might be useful in the treatment of patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. But tell us what you think. Is inclisiran an exciting new treatment option for dyslipidemia or likely to be an expensive Me Too drug? Remember, only iFormerX members can leave comments and use the interactive features on the site. If you're not already a member of iFormerX, I encourage you to sign up today. It's free. For those in our audience who are board-certified ambulatory care pharmacists, I encourage you to check out the board recertification program offered by the American Pharmacists Association. iFormerX has partnered with APHA to make our commentaries and podcasts available for board recertification and continuing education credit. To learn more about APHA's ambulatory care prep and recertification program, click on the link at the bottom of the written commentary posted on the iFormerX website. Lastly, a special thanks goes out to Tacova Wallace-Gay from the University of Texas at Tyler for creating and maintaining the Health and Medication Literacy resource page on the iFormerX website. And if you're an iFormerX member, you can access this resource page by using the drop-down menu on our homepage, but you need to sign in first. This is a member-only resource. We all know and appreciate that health literacy significantly impacts health outcomes, and this resource page provides links to some evidence-based solutions. So thank you, Tacova, for volunteering your time and your talent to keep us all informed. Until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Be well, my friends. Mm-hmm.